This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. On this special episode of Marketing Trends, Mission producer Hillary Georgie and Mission audio engineer Matt Powell joined host Ian Faison to discuss their thoughts on the ads they saw during the Super Bowl. What did we like? What were we confused by? And what were some of the major themes and trends that we noticed? Stay tuned and find out because we discussed it all here. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, and I am joined by two of the most special guests, producer Hillary, the amazing producer for Marketing Trends, and Matt, the amazing audio engineer slash do everything for Marketing Trends. And we are here to talk Super Bowl ads and Super Bowl madness. We're so cutting edge on this show, coming to you right after the Super Bowl. Hillary, what's going on? Oh, Ian, I'm so happy to be here with you and to talk about the Super Bowl and all the ads. It was so much fun to watch with this episode of Marketing Trends in mind. I'm like so thrilled to talk to you guys about this. Yeah, I, I spent the entire time, uh, I was hanging out with my with my parents. My, my mom is a huge 49ers fan. And uh, the whole time, I every time they would try to talk to me, I go, "I'm working." I didn't actually, I didn't actually do that. Matt, how are you, homies? I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm pumped to be here with the both of you. I was doing the same. I was watching with my parents and my uh, my brother, and I was jotting down notes the whole time. I was with my parents and my brothers and sisters in law and friends. So we we're all it's with a family fans. affair. Super Bowl is a family affair. And uh, and Ian, RIP to uh, to your mom's Niners. Sorry about that. I know. It was it was tough, but um it's okay. They'll be they'll be back better and stronger than ever. Much like our Super Bowl ad coverage. So what we wanted to do today, um, how we kind of approach this episode for our marketing trends audience here is um we looked at uh we we viewed the ads. Um, you know, we did not have screeners. We did not watch them ahead of time. We just, uh, we just look at it just like anybody else. We, uh, watch the ads. We talked to our friends. We talked to our family. Um, we checked, uh, Twitter this morning, uh, checked out what people were talking about. Um, but the goal of this was not to look at it from, uh, a purely marketing lens, but to look at it from a consumer lens. So, um, the way uh, that we're going to do this episode, so I'm going to walk through some of the, the themes that we saw. Uh, I'm going to walk through how we looked at the ads, and then we're going to go into the ads themselves. So number one, how did the ad make you feel? Number two, did you want to take action? Uh, number three, did people talk about it? Was it driving word of mouth? Number four, is it part of a larger campaign um, that you can kind of continue to engage with? Um, Number five, does it change the way that you think about a brand? Or number six, did it, did it introduce something new that you didn't know about a brand? So um, these are informal things that we, we made for marketing trends. But I think that uh, a lot of times ads are, you know, Super Bowl ads are trying to do different sort of things. And the number one thing that I think it can do the best uh, potentially is A, introduce something new and B, have people, you know, talk about it and, and figure things out. So uh, we'll be looking with those lenses 
Um, the themes that I saw, I'll go through really quick and then we'll go through um, them, you know, one at a time. So a lot of nostalgia, a lot of different things, bringing like celebrities and all sorts of like old movie stars and artists and things like that. Um, there were some cool uh, integrations between, you know, products and different things. Um, it seemed like to me, sometimes there was a lot of like confusion equals no sale. There's just too much going on in the ads to really know like who the, who the customer was or who the, um, who the sponsor was and all that which felt a little weird to me. Um, another theme is that there were not many technology companies or enterprise companies. It was a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, CPG brands. And then curiously, there were no direct to consumer brands that I could remember. There might be, uh, there might be some stuff out there um, that I didn't, that I didn't see. Um, and then the final thing is that there really weren't any startups. So, so those are kind of the, the themes and then we'll look at the individual ads uh, and kind of point to the different things of maybe why they worked and how they fit into some of those themes. So first off, we'll start with Matt. Give me your top three ads that you saw. Top three ads. So in no particular order, I loved the Bill Murray Groundhog Day Jeep ad. Uh, love Bill Murray. I mean, grew up with Bill Murray. So loved that. Uh, loved the throwback to the movie. Uh, loved the Smart Pack, the Hyundai, and also that was a killer Boston accent, just uh, for the record. Loved that one. And then I think my favorite one was Jason Momoa, Rocket Mortgage. And here's the thing. For, for me with that one, Jason Momoa is the polar opposite me, okay? Because he's tan and he's buff and he's got long flowing locks and he's a superhero and I am thin, pale, a little bit pasty, ginger, and I, I have a receding hairline. So when he stripped down, he was me. So shout out to Jason Momoa for that. So I really connected with that ad and it's probably the one that I've thought about the most. And uh, I just thought it was super funny. So what did, about those ads, what were the things that like made them memorable to you? Like, could you, uh, you know, do you, do you kind of remember the products that they were featuring? Do you remember kind of what the different pieces were? Uh, like, what was your thought as you were kind of watching them? And then were people at, at your party feeling the same way? Yeah, for sure. I see, I connected with, I think I connected with all of them, not because of the products, but because of who was in them. So I see Bill Murray and automatically I'm in. I don't really care what the product is. Bill Murray, he's got the groundhog, the whole bit, reenacted scenes from the movie. So I was in on that from the beginning. I don't think I'd ever buy a Jeep, honestly. I just, I'm not a Jeep guy. It's not real practical for me, but I love the ad. I love the connection with Bill Murray. And I, I guess for me and companies, I just want to laugh. I'll appreciate a company more if they don't take themselves seriously. And, and I love that about it. Smotpock. That was another killer Boston accent. I, I just, I love seeing Jim Halpert in the commercial. So I love, I mean, I loved it. So I love that. Uh, and we got the big poppy. That was awesome too. I'm not a huge baseball guy, but everybody knows who big poppy is. So I connect with the people in them more so than the actual product. I, I don't think I'd ever buy a Hyundai. I'm a killer Parker. So I would never need someone parking for me. But, sure, me too. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm talking about. So so I, I don't yeah, I think I disconnect with with who's in the ads. They make they make me yeah. happy. Yeah, I mean I those are definitely three of the of 
of the most popular ones um, for me and for for my uh, my family as we were sitting there. I think the thing the uh, the Groundhog Day one was awesome because if you took did that same type of ad for Jeep with something else or somebody else, or you just had some of those shots that some beautiful shots of of him just like ripping that Jeep through like snow and all sorts of stuff. But if that was just, if that was just a regular, you know, whatever run of the mill actor, I just don't think it would have been memorable in any way. And then the color of the Jeep is like a really interesting color. And I just think um, it made it memorable. And for a car company, it's just so hard to be memorable because uh, it's just so many shots of, you know, cars driving and doing all that sort of stuff. Like think how many, how many cars you've seen. And then for the small pack one, I think it's so interesting because you're looking at, you're just over and over and over saying the thing that you want people to know. You want people to remember that it's smart park. Like that's what you want people to remember. And like it burns in that feature in people's minds. And I think that that's, that's just a really good way of doing that. The Jason Mo one I thought was great, but the, uh, I didn't even remember that it was rocket mortgage. Um, I don't, I just remember him taking off all the stuff. So I don't, to me, memory wise, it didn't necessarily serve as anything more than a great ad at the time. Um, so maybe there's a better way, but I mean, Rocket Mortgage is, is pretty, pretty darn uh, everywhere in terms of their advertising and uh, you see it a lot. So Hillary, what do you think about those three? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree on the Jason Momoa one. I thought it was great. I thought it was funny in the moment. I really enjoyed what was happening. But like we were were saying before this, and like you just said now, I had no idea, had no recall about what that commercial was actually for. So while I enjoyed watching the commercial, it did nothing for me in terms of like the brand itself, because I didn't know that it was for Rocket Mortgage this morning. For Smart Park, which is actually my number one commercial of the Super Bowl, I really, really enjoyed it. That had so much going against it for me because one, I'm a New Yorker, so shouldn't enjoy anything from Boston. And also because I'm a New Yorker, I take pride in my ability to park a car. But as a consumer, like I'm in the market for a new car and that looks really cool to me. So I might go look at a Hyundai now because of this commercial like that actually put that in my brain like, oh, I should check into the Hyundais like because that is something that I'm interested in now. Yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely, I definitely agree. And I think, um, but shout out to Rachel Dredge, who's just been so funny for so long, but, uh, no, I think that it was the, it was the right blend of ensemble of, you know, having actors there that are memorable and and good. Um, and actually it, it brings me to, uh, you know, something that I thought some of the other nostalgia ones where they didn't do as well. And we'll get into that a little bit, but where you're using actors and actresses that are not really recognizable. And those people were all extremely recognizable uh, at the time. And, and I thought that it did really well. It also just doesn't hurt that to use uh, old Jim Halpert there, um, that, uh, that John Krasinski's everywhere in the ads for season two of, uh, of his Amazon show of the, the um, Oh yeah. 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 So I think he's also, it's one of those things like you get that familiarity. I love piggybacking off other people's ad campaigns, right? 
So if his face is everywhere, it's I, I feel like that's a good thing. Well, and he's um, a, and he's a Boston guy, right? Like born and raised in Boston. Yeah, the, all everybody Everyone, in yeah. that commercial, uh, except for David Ortiz, everybody in that commercial is a Boston or a Massachusetts native. David Ortiz obviously was born in the Dominican Republic. So Hillary, what were your top three, or maybe you can mention some ones that, that weren't in the first two. The one that wasn't mentioned that was in my top tier was the Tide commercials. And there were multiple, the the Charlie Day Tide stuff that he kept coming back into multiple commercials. I think he was in one every single quarter. It was kind of like the is this later thing? I thought that was really well done and played like up the product and figuring out like how this product works, what what it's good for and why it keeps showing up like, oh, this isn't later, but it's good for later tied tied later, you know. So I thought that was really well done. And the integration that they made with Budweiser and all the different kind of spots that they put him in was really, really good. I love that, too. And I thought it was one of the one of the smart things where, number one, it's like everybody's watching the game and I mean, you figure if what 150 million people watch that game, that maybe that's like 10 million people's laps had something spill on them during the course of the game, right? <laughs> so you're looking at yeah. conservatively yeah, 10 million people need to clean up uh, clean up their pants and or shirt uh, after that game, and I just think it's such a great in the moment thing to think about. Like you do always say that you, you have this bill and you're like, Oh, somebody get a Tide pen or something like that. Um, and to know that you can do it later, I thought was, was pretty clever. Um, and Charlie Day is the right guy for that. Cause he's, he's really funny. I'll, I'll give some, uh, some of the ones that I, I really liked from, uh, that were not necessarily my favorite ads, but I thought were really interesting. Um, so I, I love the the Mr. Peanut stuff. I think it's so hard to be relevant as a company that makes peanuts and other types of well legumes and, and nuts and things like that. Uh, Hillary obviously cannot have any of this because she's definitely allergic. But I have no yeah. comment on Mr. Peanut. Yeah, but I thought, you know, they kind of ran into a problem with the whole like, you know, killing off Mr. Peanut and it got sort of like semi backlash or whatever. And obviously, you know, kind of tragedies abound with that. and. I, you know, I think it's one of these things like to to build a cohesive narrative and how funny they are on social media um, to have like the baby nut thing and all of that. You know, baby Yoda's hot right now. You have baby, baby Groot. You have all these things. You know, it's weird, but it keeps them relevant and keeps people talking about it. And uh, I think that's a pretty good thing because ultimately you're buying planners nuts. Like it's it's not something crazy. I thought uh, that, you know, the Tom Brady Hulu ad was really well set up. Um, I think Hulu, you know, intentionally beats you over the head with their advertising with these Hulu has live sports things. And it's just such a good, like everybody knows if you follow sports, everybody knows that Hulu has live sports now because of how much money they've thrown at it uh, and the way that they've done it. And like, that's just got to be such a massive win for them. Uh, I think it's really smart. I think it built up a ton, like in the moment tension of Tom Brady's future with the Patriots. Uh, I think it's just, it's well done. Um, I, uh, I really like the Olay uh, message and I thought the ad was good and the impact that they're doing of being able to, you know, donate that money and, and support 
um, really meaningful causes. I thought the ad was a little clunky in terms of just like, this is kind of one of those ones that so much stuff going on that the brand message got lost for me a little bit. I would have rather just had them be like bottom line up front, like, Hey, we're going to be donating a ton of money um, to these really cool causes and go at the front of the ad and not kind of have it all build towards the end. That's just me. I just, uh, you know, that's my personal preference there. Um, but really, really cool what Olay is doing. And that feels like it's part of a huge campaign that they're going to be doing. And then finally, you know, our friends at Splunk, shout out to Splunk for, uh, for being, I think, the only enterprise technology company that had an ad at the Super Bowl. I'm not positive of that. So, you know, if, uh, if I'm wrong, feel free to, to, <laughs> to email us, uh, team at marketingtrends.com. But um, yeah, cool of them to, they've had a huge rebrand going, data to everything platform. Obviously, like we know their team well, we've interviewed them on the show. Um, but I just think it's really cool to, um, you know, to get that out there to, to really show what they're doing now, you know, um, it's, they're, they're a far cry from being a startup. Uh, but I think that was the closest thing to a startup that we even got at this Super Bowl, which I thought was really fascinating. And the hustle, um, did a really good piece on Sunday morning about how, you know, in 2000, there were 11 companies that were under five years old that advertised in the Super Bowl. Uh, last year, last year, I think that there was only one company younger than 10 years old. And in this game, there's not any startups that were advertised to my knowledge. And I just think it's a fascinating idea because, um, you, it seems like with the price per 30 seconds being 5 million plus, you're just pricing out any startups out of it. But when you are a startup and depending on what you're doing, being able to get that share of voice and that kind of thing, you'd, you'd think that someone is going to, you know, take a leap. And it's pretty fascinating to me that they, that they all have kind of done that. I don't know if it's a theme in marketing altogether, or if it's just, you know, the juices and work the squeeze there and they know what they can do with 5 million bucks. Um, a lot better in a digital marketing standpoint. So it's a curious thing to watch. Do you think maybe part of that is because, you know, because of social media and the fact that you can, you have Facebook and all these other places you can actually advertise that there's not as much of- For much cheaper. Yeah, for much cheaper, that there's not as much of a need for someone to feel like, yo, we better get a Super Bowl ad so we can get our name out there. Because, I mean, do you have to do that now? Well, one of the things that was really interesting when we were, we were talking uh, recently with a guest um, on marketing trends, and they were saying how the crazy thing about these sort of spots is that the airtime, you know, 5.2 million bucks for a 30 second spot, but the production of the actual ad is also a few million bucks, right? If you have celebrities involved, all this, right? So to spend that much money, um, you know, when you're talking like 10 million bucks potentially or more for a minute, if you're doing a minute or more, um, you really have to have it tied into a very large campaign. So, and again, I'm just throwing out numbers here and uh, maybe we'll do a round table episode with some CMOs about this. But if you're going to do a hundred million dollar campaign and 10% of it is the Super Bowl ad and the other 90% of it is all of the, you know, different ways to capture all of what you're getting from the ad, um, you know, you're talking about a ton of money and there's just, you know, the, the amount of companies that are going to shell that out as, as part of the larger campaign, I think um, it would just be easier to spend that 10 million bucks 
doing, you know, digital advertising or things like that. Um, and it would just be a lot cheaper. The thing that I find fascinating and, and the hustle did a great job in, in their write up of this, um, was back in 2000 when it was all these like dot com companies before the dot com crash was everything was advertising towards a domain name. And then all of those sites pretty much like had huge, huge lag times or things like that. Uh, you know, 24 second uh, load times and all this. And basically they, they would just get their, their sites crashed. Right. Um, but now we have so, we have so many advantages that we didn't used to have like cloud computing and all sorts of different things that allow so your site isn't going to crash. I'm surprised that you didn't have more people dropping like short domain names. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of this. The one that the one that happened was Winona.com, the Renault, the one, the Squarespace ad with Renona Ryder. Mm. She's like, I made Winona.com and it's a real it's a real website. It actually exists. She actually made it. And that was a, a Squarespace ad. I and this is kind of where I'm I'm so curious that no direct to consumer companies were advertising, or to my knowledge that that there weren't a lot, because you would think you know, the people that are spending millions and millions of dollars on podcast advertising specifically, uh, I mean, they just much must think it's just a lot more affordable to do that. Um, but you would think that you could get a huge amount of buzz and traffic to your website, potentially like those, you know, dot-com companies were doing. Um, you know, the one, the famous one is computer.com had a million people go to their website in 24 hours. So you're talking about, you know, if you have a digital funnel that's set up to convert that sort of thing, depending on your product and price point and things like that, if you can get a million people to go to your website. Uh, you know, you can you can convert a lot of that traffic over time. So, anyways, yeah, it might be might be worth the five million dollar price tag. Yeah, or maybe not, or maybe it's just you know worth worth just running um, you know a bunch of podcast ads, which are probably have higher yield anyways. Um, not that not that we're biased. So. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's really interesting. And then one of the other things um, that Matt, we were talking about before uh, was the very start of the Super Bowl. Um, and this is really the ad for the NFL. Uh, this is the NFL flexing their muscles. Big time. So tell me about why you like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm a huge football fan in general, college and pro uh, football family. I mean, I remember watching as a kid living in, Whidbey Island, Washington, and my dad's a huge Seahawks fan. I remember being like five or six with my dad watching the Seahawks. And all it was to me at the time was like, these dudes are just in a pile the whole time. Like there's nothing that goes on. But growing up watching the NFL, you, you start to realize that they have such, and they're trying to make such a connection with middle America and with the average Joe. And it feels very accessible. And I think that they have just nailed it on reaching out to middle America and reaching out to the average Joe and letting them feel connected to the product. And I, th I think more interesting was the ad with, with the kid running around the NFL 100 ad who has the ball and he's connecting with all these legends of the game. And then he runs into the stadium. I think that was a concerted effort. And I think the NFL has had a concerted effort since all the CTE stuff. And people freaking out about about concussions and all that stuff. I think they've made a, an effort to connect with specifically with children, 
who are going to be the future of the league and also trying to connect with their parents. And like any NFL player or football player will tell you that the biggest hurdle to kids playing is the mom. It's not the dad. You know, the dad wants the kid to wants the kid to play, but the mom's really got to buy in. And I thought that they did a really good job with that opening ad of connecting with families and connecting with kids. And I think trying to give, I don't want to say illusion, but because obviously the, it's, it's a dangerous game. It's dangerous to play in the NFL, but, or it's dangerous to play football in general. But uh, I, I just thought it was really interesting how they're really making that connection to the next generation. Well, I think that they started this when they did uh, that, the ad where I think it was last Super Bowl or two Super Bowls ago, where it was like all the legends of the game, you know, fighting for yep, a football, yep. at like a dinner. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're kind of continuing it with this. And I just think that those are really clever ads because um, like you said, it connects the older generation to the younger generation. And that's what sports is about, right? Absolutely. I think about this, you know, all the time with, you know, some of these legends that, you know, these hall of famers, they, they just put in a bunch of hall of famers. There's so many hall of famers that, you know, I don't remember play. You don't remember play, but they're, but they're part of the game. Um, and the NFL, I mean, as always with every Super Bowl, the NFL is always the biggest winner. Um, because, you know, they, they really position themselves as always as the best advertising ticket in, in the world. Uh, you know, it's the biggest game in America. Um, you know, obviously, and it's the biggest television event in, the, in America every year for the past, you know, whatever, 20, 25 years. You know, I think it's really interesting that I think that they, they really nailed the, uh, the halftime show this year. Um, but it's just amazing. The spectacle of the halftime show is such a huge deal. And when we were watching, my girlfriend was studying uh, for PT school throughout the, throughout the Super Bowl. And she came in and she's like, Hey, when is the, when is this, when is the halftime show? When is the halftime show? And she's, you know, she doesn't really care too much. And, uh, and you know, yet she's sitting in there to to watch the halftime show. The other thing. So I I wanted to talk about some of the things that, that I didn't particularly like, or I thought that were interesting. Um, So the Google ad is super popular and super unpopular as probably we thought, you know, that would, that would kind of be, um, I thought it was very moving. It's my mom's favorite ad. Um, you know, she's a little older and I think it, it definitely hit her in a certain place. Uh, I felt the same way with, with older parents and, uh, and, you know, I thought that it is interesting to think about your memories being stored digitally now and that, particular use case, I don't think is a broad appeal uh, because, you know, it's not necessarily everyone has that sort of, you know, a family member with that, uh, you know, going through some sort of Alzheimer's or dementia. I'm not, not sure what was really at play there in the ad, but the idea that like you do store all of your memories in the cloud now. Um, and for our younger generations, all of our stuff is going to be in the cloud forever. Uh, so there, I think it's a great point. I don't, I think that, you know, Google's definitely getting backlash on the internet this morning about how much data they have access to and all those sort of things. So that's probably a story for another podcast, but, um, I would say that that was easily one of the most memorable, uh, Super Bowl spots and definitely tugged at the heartstrings. I'm so glad I missed that ad. Honestly, 
I think, I think I was, I think I was in the bathroom at the time. And then I heard people talking about it, dude, I don't want to cry during, I don't want to cry during commercials in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I remember on Twitter leading up to the game, there was talk about like, oh, the Google ad is going to make you cry. It's going to make you cry. And then I remember seeing it and I'm like, well, this is depressing. Kind of like you were saying, Ian, like I, I understood what they're going for and the you I just think the particular use case that they went for I don't know if it it touched every single person like it touches you obviously if you have a heart I would hope you're moved a little bit by what you were seeing but it doesn't necessarily apply to your life but you can still see what the use is but I think in general overall the idea of like looking toward the future with technology and like how it's going to impact our lives Google did that I think Ford and Hummer were doing that too with their electric move to electric commercials. They both had ads for their elect, like the electric Mustang and the electric Hummer. I think that was kind of a big theme throughout the Super Bowl too, is like how we're kind of using technology to move forward in time and what we'll be using it for. And I think that's kind of what Google was going for. I think they certainly set out to make people cry. I think that was a legitimate like goal that they had. They're like, we want to make this sad. And I think that they they did, they nailed it. But I think more generally, overall, broad themes, it's like, this is what the future is going to look like. And this is how technology is going to impact you. Is there a fine line? And, and I, I would I would defer to you on this, Ian, because you're the pro. Although, like I said before, Hillary and I are now marketing pros. But um, <laughs> isn't there a fine line between a really dope ad and just straight up manipulation? Because I mean, I guess I guess all ads are to some degree, but even that, just taking that commercial, and I, I I'm I'm with you on that, Hillary. I I just I have an uncle who who died of dementia, and I would think there's many families and people who have been affected by dementia. Why why would Google think, hey, this is going to be really good? Let's remind people of this tragedy in their life and make it an ad. That just to me seems so strange. I have a tough time with anything that's on purpose trying to manipulate me. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. What, what, what's your thought on that, Ian? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, first off, I would say that I don't think that they're trying to manipulate with the ad. I think that they're showing a very powerful use case for something that um, it, it's kind of like you would show this one use case that's extremely rare but it allows you as a viewer to realize like, well, I don't need it for that, but it would be, it would be nice to be able to store, you know, our family memory somewhere or whatever it is. I think that they're trying to use technology as an, as an, as an agent for change to, to help people who, you know, who can't kind of, you know, remember things in a certain way. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it was manipulative. I don't. And I thought that honestly, it was a very well told story and, and an affecting ad. Um, I just think that, you know, the double-edged sword of like, no, A, it's getting people to talk about it, which is great. But then it also opens the dialogue, which is something that they struggle with, which is, yeah, you also have access to all of our data um, and a lot of, or not all, excuse me, uh, a lot of our data. And that's, and that's a very popular conversation too. So yeah, I think that opening up that that dialogue is uh, is potentially really, really powerful, but also potentially, um, you know, could could get uh, some backlash that way. 
it reminded me of the Apple commercial this last Christmas of the this family goes and visits the grandparents and the kids are looking for something to do. And I guess the grandma just passed away and they, they make like a, a video of oh, memories yeah. for their grand. I hated that commercial. I wanted to throw my TV <laughs> out the window and anytime it came on, I left the room or I muted it. I was like, Nope, no way. I can't watch this commercial. And it actually made me go like, Apple, why would you do that to me? Like, why would you do that to the peeps? Make them all emotional and, and cry. And I think I, well, it's actually a great juxtaposition there. I think the Apple ad is, is a far superior ad um, because I just think that, that it's a more clear use case. But, but people love the Google ad, so, you know, who knows? Um, I'm glad you brought up Apple. Not in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, no Apple stuff. And I decided that it was very light on technology in general. Um, as we mentioned, the Splunk ad, I was, you know, one of the only one the enterprise ones you had, uh, I think that was there, there might've been a GoDaddy spot. I'm not sure. Uh, and like you said, there's a Squarespace spot, um, you know, so there, there were those, but not a lot of other stuff, but I, I'm glad you mentioned Hillary, the Hummer and the Ford electric stuff. The Hummer thing is really interesting because that ad came, I believe right before the um halftime show because i was my girlfriend my girlfriend was watching and she was like oh uh she's like oh i don't i don't like hummers they hurt the environment and i was like oh funny you say that that ad was actually for an electric one she's like oh that's pretty cool um so i think that this is one of the ways where introducing something new to change your way about a brand is a great way to do that when you have such a pivot like like Hummer's doing now, whether or not that's going to work for them is a whole other story. Um, but I did think it was a good way to introduce uh, something that is a really popular brand, but not necessarily a popular car, um, and got unpopular for uh, you know being like six miles to the gallon. Yeah, totally. And I, I remain skeptical, but like this is cool. It's it's cool that there's going to be an electric Mustang. It's cool that there's going to be an electric Hummer. But I noted to my sister-in-law as these commercials were coming up, you never see like the prices for these things. And kind of like this is I feel like a lot of people will be priced out of a lot of the cool stuff that is advertised because these electric cars are not cheap either. So it's kind of like it's so cool. It's so cool. But you have to like aspire to get to one of them too at the same time. So getting into some of the things that, uh, that I thought were interesting, uh, that I didn't necessarily love, but I thought were interesting. Um, the three very nostalgia, clear nostalgia plays, um, the Cheeto ad with, uh, MC Hammer can't touch this, uh, the, the, the avocado ad, with which had like Molly Molly Ringwald and a few other things, um, and then the Missy Elliott painted blackhead. First off, anything with Missy Elliott is a win for me. So, you know, yeah. So I'm in on that. Um, I just totally. I I just think it's so funny. Like, how many people even know the song "Painted Black" <laughs> of like younger generations? And like, who are you trying to sell this new Pepsi to? I, I, again, I don't know. I don't know if it fits up. I'm sure their marketing department and agencies are much smarter than I am. But uh, uh, 
I don't really get how that's something like new and novel uh, and who the audience are going to with like Painted Black plus Missy Elliott plus like the thing. Again, it just kind of seemed confusing to me. I would have rather have just had Missy uh, promoting uh, a, new, a new Pepsi. So um, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, Missy Elliott was a little before like my time as a young person. Uh, obviously, I know who Missy Elliott is, but I think it would have had more of an impact if it was, like you said, a little bit more basic, like less is more in that scenario. Like if, if you had just put Missy Elliott there and she was doing something for a new Pepsi, I think I would have remembered it a little bit more or connected to it a little bit more. It's interesting your point, Ian, on, because when I saw the commercial, I saw, oh, yo, Missy, I love Missy. Yeah. But I didn't even think for a second, like, who are the young peeps that know Missy? Like, who are the, I mean, that's interesting. I didn't well, even think and, about that. And this is where, like, again, I, there's got to be a cost-benefit analysis to these ads where it's like, how much do you think it costs to clear Painted Black as a song for that ad? Like it's probably a lot and I get that it fits like painting the can black and all that sort of stuff. But I do, I just do wonder sometimes if those things, if the juice is worth, worth the squeeze on that. And if it's really going to resonate, the avocado ad was, was fun. It had a bunch of, it looked like kind of nostalgic is celebrity type folks. I just didn't know who they all were. I didn't know there was Molly Ringel until I think after the ad, it, Again, I thought. Yeah, it took me a it took me a long time to recognize. Like, I know that's a famous person. I know I should know who that is. I know that they're trying to get me to remember something, but I couldn't put my finger on what. Yeah, funny ad, a lot of stuff going on. You know, marketing avocados is not something I'm an expert at, but um, you know, I love avocados regardless. So uh, it seems, again, it seems like who are you talking to? Kind of talking to everybody. Kind of talking to nobody. Maybe that's okay. You know, I would have rather just spun into the curve and, and done an avocado toast thing uh, and had a bunch of, you know, young people talking about like. Right, young people with their TikToks and doing dances with their avocado toasts. It would have been, would have, uh, you can, you, if you would like to get in touch with me, like Ian said, email us. Happy to share my ideas with you marketers out there. But Yeah. I have a question on that, the whole avocado thing, because most of the people in that ad were, I mean, I want to say old, but older. So do you think it even goes as deep as, you know, younger people aren't buying avocados? So therefore, we're not going to try to speak to the younger generation and we're going to try to connect to, you know, the 40 or 50 year old who actually goes to the grocery store and checks the avocados to see if they're soft and see if they're that perfect give. I mean, uh, is the 21 year old, 22 year old doing that? Yeah. That's the whole, that's the rub. That's the whole thing is that everybody talks about how millennials are going broke because we buy avocado toast. Like that's like literally the whole, the whole kind of like ongoing joke there. And can yeah, confirm. But, yes. First of all, they're delicious. Why would you not eat avocados all the time? And they're good for you. But what I think is funny is the, this is kind of like, I feel like they buried the lead here. The lead was you can buy avocados year round. And they said it in the ad, but it was kind of lost with all the other stuff. But that was the message that they wanted you to know is that you avocados from Mexico, you can buy year round. That, that was kind of the thing. And so um, again, I, I just kind of felt like it was lost. Um, the, other, uh, the other nostalgia ad that I really liked the ad 
but again, I just, it was a little weird was the, the Cheetos ad. So it announced a new Cheetos product, which I think were some Cheetos popcorn, popcorn. Thank you. Um, I really liked the idea of the guy holding his hand out and walking around. So I thought it was funny. Uh, I got a good laugh from, from our Super Bowl party, uh, of the can't touch this thing. The MC hammer stuff is like MC hammer is a great, great man, great American. So I'm, I'm happy there uh, that he's getting a lot of use out of that. It probably works totally fine. Uh, and it was a good ad. I just think again, like, you know, if you pull anyone under the age of 25, do they have any clue what that song is or who that is? I honestly think the answer is probably no. So, um, so yeah, just another thing. Like, I think we forget how old certain things are. Um, and can't touch this came out a really long time ago. So, um, it's Cheetos. So it's not exactly the most you know, highbrow thing, but I just don't know a lot of like adults that are sit there, you know, eating a bunch of Cheetos. So, um, <laughs> I, again, you know, I, I love Cheetos as much as the next person. I'll check out the popcorn because that ad. So, uh, you know, mischief managed there. Um, and then, um, and then we'll close with, with the Groundhog Day ad, which, which we talked about a little bit. Um, this is like the ultimate win, right? Everybody loved that movie. It's a total cult classic. Everybody loves Bill Murray. Um, and watching him whip around that car and doing all that stuff. You got needle nose, Ned, um, you got the, the mayor. It's just a great ad because it's exactly the right use of celebrity plus nostalgia plus, you know, uh, plus it was actually groundhog day. Totally. Um, so I just think, and you got the cute little groundhog there and he's got the little hat and, uh, everybody loves Bill Murray young and old. So I just, and, and the car looked really cool. The way they shot it looked really cool. This like, you know, dreary Groundhog Day town, Punxsutawney. And then you have this like bright orangish red uh, Jeep. So I just, I think that was my favorite. I think it's a lot of people's favorite. And uh, I think it's, it's the nostalgia done 100% right. And a super clear message for, uh, for the, for the viewer. You know, there was a, there was an interview and I don't remember what it was, what the podcast was, but they were talking about Bill Murray and they were talking about how he, it might've been Joe Rogan, but they're talking about how he has stayed relevant. And all these guys that were, all these guys and gals that were in, you know, the golden age of Saturday Night Live, they have had a really hard time staying relevant and staying young and having kids know who they are. And the brilliance behind Bill Murray to be in like the zombie land cameo that he had. And he has just stayed so relevant. It's fascinating to me. I don't know if it's the people around him. I don't know if it's, he's just really, really smart, but he has done an incredible job of staying Bill Murray in 2020. It's amazing. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, nobody gets sick of seeing him and, uh, yeah, it was just well done. Well, that's it. That's all we got. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you want to share any thoughts with us, we, we can air it on a future episode. You can tweet at me at Ian Faison on Twitter. Uh, email us at team at marketingtrends.com. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you had a great Super Bowl. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. 
automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.